Welcome to the end of day three of the Australian Open on no challenges remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. The tournament is only three days old now, and so it's less than a quarter done. But for most of the players in the field, they're already out. One of the brutal things about tennis is that half the players lose every day. Many of them are already on their way home, or at least soon to be. So to get some perspective on this and how slam runs can be over before you know it, I talked to Peter Polanski, who had his run extended longer than he expected by becoming a lucky loser here. So we talk about what it's like being at that sort of stage of the tournament, as well as his career and some of his other interests, and some of the other interests he's developed away from tennis. Hope you enjoy this one. Here with Peter Polanski. Peter, you just played a five set or four and a half sets yeah. yesterday. Uh, and he, how, how are you holding up? And I guess, how, are you, how would you sum up your 2017 Australian Open? Uh, yeah, tournament-wise, I think uh, I think it was a good event. Um, you know, getting that lucky loser, I think I earned almost just under the same amount of points for qualifying. Um, so in a point sense and for matches, I think I'm pretty satisfied with how I played here and my result. But uh, yeah, yesterday was definitely a rough night. Um, after the match, it took me about, uh, I think, four hours to get off site just because I was completely dead and I went to see the doctor and... Um, you know, like I just had no energy. So um, got back to my room in the evening and, uh, you know, I, I was pretty dead. Called in an early night last night. What, what do you, just describe the lucky loser experience. I don't know if I was the first one I told you you were in mm-hmm. on Twitter or I, if, I if, actually, you, if, you, if you knew. Yeah, about a minute before, uh, okay. one of the ATP referees uh, or supervisors just texted me because I, I texted him. I'm like, uh, when are they doing the draw? And they're like, just in, in a minute or so. So it was pretty nerve-wracking. Um, to explain how it works, you were, you were the fourth highest yeah. qualifying loser. And were you watching, like, because you, your match finished relatively early that final mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Were you watching, like, to see, make sure that nobody ranked ahead of you lost? That yeah. Kind of thing? Well, yeah. it's actually funny because after I played my final round, um, I wasn't expecting any lucky losers here. And, uh, you know, for me, mentally, I had thought, okay, you know, I played a good match, you know, good tournament. Lost last round qualities, good match, competed hard. Um, you know, I was satisfied with how I how I played and my performance. And uh, you know, just to make sure, I kind of went back to the locker room to see what number I was. And uh, at the time, I was number three, but Rajiv Ram and uh, Ernesto Ernesto Escobedo were still playing. And if they both lost, that would push me back to number five. And uh, so I was like, and then literally like ten minutes later, I heard that there was already one spot open up in the main draw. For lucky loser, yeah. yeah, from Kokonakis. and uh, so like I said earlier, but uh, Rajiv lost the first at six two, and when I went to the locker room after my match, I think I saw Ernesto was up four one in the first set against Bombri, and uh, I checked like thirty minutes later, Rajiv was losing. Ernesto lost that first set. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, they're both gonna lose. So I was kind of cheering for them, uh, them to win, um, just from the sidelines. I was staying inside the locker room in the the cafe. Um, but they both went three sets and I think Ram went down maybe two in the third and Ernesto went up break in the third set. And I was like, come on, Ernesto, just like keep serving it out. Um, you know, uh, and when Ernesto won, I was pretty pumped. I'm like, okay, now it's 25% chance. Like you never know. And they were going to do the draw a couple hours later. So I went back to my room and uh, when I got that message, I was so pumped up. It was just uh, it's a great feeling. It's, what, what is it? I mean, the lucky loser experience was pretty unique. 
uh, you, you, you don't, you, in tennis, it's almost always single elimination. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you lose and you go home. Yeah. But what, I'm guessing you've had it before at some point, and you've yeah. like, at least been in contention for it. So what, what is it? I'm just wondering what the feeling is like for you when you sort of get to walk back in mm-hmm. to the room after, after losing. Do you feel like, you know, like sheepish about it at all or like loud and proud? Like I'm, I'm still yeah. here, you know, watch out, Carreno. I mean, kind of thing. yeah, personally, I felt like, uh, you know, my level over the weekend through qualies, like, I thought it was very high. Um, even the match that I lost, like, I was feeling great. So I kind of felt like I, I did earn that spot. Um, obviously, you know, other guys lost in three sets, tough matches, final round qualifyings. And um, it, I can't say I earned it more than they did. But uh, just with my game, um, I felt like I was good enough to be in the main draw. And, you know, I didn't care who I was going to play. Um, you know, I felt like I, I had a good shot of, you know, even winning a couple of rounds deep down, I felt like I was playing that well. Um, and even yesterday when I came out my, my first, uh, the first set there, Pablo played an unbelievable first set. I lost 6-0 in 19 minutes. And, uh, you know, like I said yesterday, I think I had maybe four errors in that 6-0 set. So he was just kind of pounding winners everywhere. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, let's see if he can keep that up for two more sets. And, you know, it didn't phase me a little bit. I came out in the second set, broke in the first game. And I was like, okay, now we have a match. And, um, but you know, even a, a guy ranked 30, I wasn't really afraid or anything. I thought I would, I was going to win. I, I felt like I was going to win. I'm sure he felt it like he was going to win. So, you know, it turned out to be a good battle, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I definitely felt like I earned my spot in the main draw. I saw a few people saying, I guess, especially the Canadians who followed you more closely, mm-hmm. probably that, uh, they felt like you getting lucky loser was like good luck that you were like due for after a lot of bad luck in your yeah. career. Do you feel, and I guess people, if you can just sort of walk through what you've, a lot of people probably don't know the ins and outs of mm-hmm. your, your career. If, if, do you feel like, first of all, what are they referring to? And second of all, <laughs> do you feel like you've had bad luck um, in, in life, in a career especially? Yeah, I wouldn't say I've had a, a whole lot of bad luck, so I, I don't really okay. know what they're referring to. But, uh, you know, I was the first lucky loser at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, and I, think I, they, I think they mean more just like injuries and yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, injury-wise, I've had a couple setbacks, but, you know, I think a lot of athletes go through that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been pretty resilient to, to always come back from injury and, you know, stay focused, determined, and trying to, you know, always reach my goal. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think I did get one lucky loser spot at an ATP event maybe like five years ago okay. in uh, Belgrade. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's been some setbacks in my career with injuries and, you know, I've always felt like with my game, I've, I've been a top 100 player, but, you know, I've yet to crack that, so... Um, I think it's just really a matter of, you know, time as well as staying focused and doing the right things. And, you know, a lot of things really need to come together to get into the top 100. Um, some guys make it sooner. Some guys make it happen later in, in their career. Um, but that's always a goal that I wanted to reach. And, um, you know, I'm always striving for that. So I think, uh, you know, regardless of injuries, and now I've got a great opportunity here with not a lot of points to defend until May or June. And, um, you know, just taking one things at a time, but you know, I, re- I really believe I can I can get there. Have you have you come to? Because I know you were, I believe, like a re- pretty good, really good junior, mm-hmm. and yeah. and so you didn't. Uh, I don't know if you expected when you were a kid that you'd be fighting at yeah. this age to still be top hundred. Yeah. But is it something that you've at all like come to enjoy in its own way? The sort of the grind of it, you know. The because yeah. you seem. I mean, you have a, a pretty obviously from the outside looks like a pretty good work ethic, okay. things like that. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's something that you having. A goal. I'm, I'm guessing. Obviously, everyone wants to be top ten or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. that if you, I don't know. You seem like somebody who doesn't resent the the work. 
Yeah, I mean, I've always been like that. I really like to, you know, I, I really enjoy fitness. Um, uh, you know, I love running sprints and working hard. And I love that feeling I get after and of putting in a good day. And, you know, I was actually just thinking a couple months ago, like from my, inju- my wrist injury when I came back, like I can't even remember like one day where I woke up and was like, you know, I don't really feel like training today. Like I can't even remember one. Um, so, you know, I get up and I, I get, I get done what I need to do. And I think I've been a little bit smarter with my training the last two years since I'm a little bit older now. Um, can't put my, push my body to the max every single day, but, uh, yeah, I really, en- I enjoy the grind. I enjoy, you know, getting up and working towards something and, uh, you know, kind of seeing, seeing my goal in my sights a little bit far away, but it's always there. I can see it. And, uh, yeah. And coming from juniors, um, I remember like. My first year out of juniors, I think I won five or six futures, and I got up to 200 pretty quick. You know, I was you know amongst like Donald Young and Nishikori yeah. were around the same age. I think they're they're one year younger. But at one point, like I was ranked 200, they were ranked 300, and they struggled for maybe six months to a year, and then all of a sudden they kind of shot up, and I stayed there. And then um, you know, just kind of like it's always up and down. Like you have one, some guys doing well, some guys holding back a little bit, and I always felt like I was up there, um, especially at, I remember when I was 19 or 20, when I qualified for three slams that one year, um, I think I was maybe 20 or 21. There's still only, I think four guys my age or younger ranked ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it's almost like a lot of the guys, uh, that I'm playing with this, like right now are the guys that I, I started with when I was 20. Obviously there's yeah. some new guys, some young guns. Um, but a lot of the top hundred, I would say are guys that I've, you know, been competing against since I turned pro when I was 18, 19. It's just the same guys playing year after year, getting older. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I've had a, a decent career. Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm still motivated to, to keep going. What would you say, I mean, I want, I'm talking to you on Wednesday, so by now, mm-hmm. at least in singles, half the players in the main draw have already lost. Yeah. Plus hundreds in the men's and women's qualifying yeah. already. So, I mean, there's a lot of losing yeah. that goes on in, in your life. It's sort of yeah. part of the job description. For you sure. pretty much go up and lose every week. I guess, how do you how do you handle that? How do you handle, I mean, like, in my professional life writing, mm-hmm. like, I don't get dealt defeats per se. I mean, I, yeah. I do bad yeah. things, I'm sure, but, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't get, like, this, like, you lost today sort of yeah. vibe. And you've had to rack up, well, not to pile on, but, like, a lot of, like, hundreds yeah. of those probably in your career. Yeah. How, do, how do you sort of, how do you learn to, to deal with that and to deal with that sort of that feeling yeah. week in, week out? I think uh, I think some losses are a little bit tougher to handle than others. Um, uh, but for myself, I feel like if you go out there with the right mentality and you've done everything you possibly could and, uh, you know, the months leading up to whatever tournament, whether it's a Grand Slam or, you know, maybe a stretch of four challengers and you've prepared well, you've done all you can and you go out there with the right mentality saying, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, just stick to my game plan and do what I need to do. And, um, you know, I feel like, Obviously, sometimes you have match points and you lose, and those are disappointing. Sure. Um, so that can be disappointing in a sense, but also like you could play a match where you just change your game style because you played a little bit tight, um, and that could also be disappointing. So I think um, like uh, what the top guys do really well is you know regardless how they're playing, if they're mishitting a bit, they stick to their game style, they find their range, and uh, they don't really revert back to to. Um, they don't really revert back to, like, you know, playing too defensive yeah. or, or changing much about how they're playing. They always stick to their identity. 
Um, so disappointment can come in various ways. Um, but I think as a tennis player, you know, unless you're Roger, Rafa, Novak, like you're going to be losing a lot. Um, yeah. Almost every week, if you win a tournament, and, and, and those guys don't still won't win more than half their tournaments. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're outside the top three or four, you're maybe winning one tournament a year. Um, yeah, at the ATP level, obviously, some guys win. You know, if someone has a great year playing challengers, they probably won five, and they're playing thirty tournaments, so they're still losing. Yeah. You know, eighty percent of their match, eighty uh, percent of the tournaments, they're losing once. So just logistically. Uh, if like you're somebody who at this stage like or everybody like I mentioned who lost already that's sort of sort of forgotten mm-hmm. the current moves on yeah like what do you do so you lose yesterday mm-hmm. now what like I'm just I'm just curious like walk yeah. me through like the week once your schedule suddenly frees up or whatever you know yeah. not so, I mean once you have nothing to do in yeah. theory what how do you handle that how do you you got travel stuff like that what mm-hmm. do you do once you're sort of out of the draw I think at a at a bigger tournament like this at a Grand Slam um, there's a little bit of a just kind of a sense of like of a letdown like just energy wise like, yeah. okay i finished the grand slam you're building up to this for your whole off season yeah exactly yeah you know the french open wimbledon u.s open like everyone's trying to peak for the grand slam so kind of when you're done like those big events i feel like there's a bit of a, a mental relief and uh like for myself i'm gonna probably take two or three days off um just to recover the body and um just mentally regroup but um and you're staying in melbourne which uh, i just know for a couple days yeah okay yeah, I'm thinking about playing that Maui Challenger, but uh, depends if I play Davis Cup or not. I might withdraw because I've got it. Um, Where's your Davis Cup? It's in Canada. Okay. Yeah, against Great Britain. Where in, in, in Ottawa. Ottawa. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. That's um, not not very close to Maui. No, it's not. And uh, after that, I think I have five or six weeks planned um, in a row after that. So um, it could get pretty busy if I do Maui, Davis Cup, and keep bouncing around. Need a little bit of a break. But uh, like I was saying. After these big tournaments, I think a lot of guys take a little bit of time off just to regroup. Um, and, I mean, a little bit of time off is a couple of days, you know, yeah. three, four days. And uh, I mean, no touching a racket, anything like that? Uh, I'll probably, these next two days for sure, um, and then I'll, I'll sort out flights where I'm going. Um, but, like, after a challenger, for example, let's say I were to lose in the quarterfinals of a challenger and I had another challenger the next week, uh, yeah, you're probably doing a little fitness or practice the next day and, there's not a whole lot of time off as you want to just kind of keep pushing through that yeah. that four three or four week circuit that you're doing and then you know maybe take a couple of days off after that i mean yeah maybe one or two days in between some tournaments uh is always nice but uh really i don't think you get to relax until you're done that whole circuit so i know even just for me i know where i'm going to be pretty much and i almost always steadily end a tournament so mm-hmm. my dates are more fixed but yeah uh i'm just wondering for like booking flights yeah it gets a lot more expensive if you're always doing things on like one or two days notice and if there's any way to to combat that well when i was younger i used to book i would book like the whole trip in advance and i would book my return flights or to the next tournament probably like friday or saturday and then if i made semis like that's fine i'll change my flight um but back then like the change fees were maybe 50 bucks there was none of this like fair difference stuff and so things have changed quite a bit and uh like now to change a flight, it's like minimum, especially if it's international, it's 200 bucks change fee plus fare difference plus this. And they just get you with all these fees. Yeah. So now I'm kind of forced to, I think it's a bit easier to just book one way um, right now. And, uh, you know, you get last minute tickets, but sometimes you get a good deal here and there. So yeah. it's not too bad. You mentioned the fees and stuff, and all those expenses can pile up. But I know Australian Open, they made a they made a big deal of increasing money mm-hmm. for qualifying and for first round, maybe yeah. second round main draw. How much of a difference does that make to you? Like this sort of, and you've been in your career, you've mm-hmm. seen it go from 
what it used to be to this big yeah. sort of push. How, how big a difference does that make to you? And you're, you're the sort of person they're referring to when they yeah. talk about that. It's actually, uh, you know, I think Australian Open does a really, really phenomenal job at helping out the players, um, regardless if they're main draw or qualifiers. Uh, like everyone gets that player gift of $2,500 um, to help with, with uh, accommodation. Nice flights. gift. I don't yeah, get any $2,500 gifts. Yeah, gift. it's a good yeah. gift for sure. <laughs> Christmas come late. But, yeah. uh, no, it definitely helps out. And, uh, you know, I actually wasn't aware of the prize money until just maybe a day or two before coming here. Someone mentioned that, like, the Qualys prize money was pretty big. And then I looked at it, like, and it was uh, it's a pretty big jump. Yeah, I was surprised. It's 25000 for final round, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was just telling after I qualified, I think I told my mom that uh, when I or when I got into the main or when I'm sorry, when I lost in the last round of qualifying, um, the prize money was more for losing last round of qualifying than when I qualified in 2009. Hmm. I think I got around 20000 uh, Australian dollars for qualifying for being in the main, main draw. draw. Yeah, huh. And this year was twenty five or twenty six thousand for losing the final round, which you know, was pretty surprising. And um, it's definitely great, but uh, obviously the main draw players get a lot more. Um, and uh, it's tough. I really feel in this sport in tennis. I think, I think if you're ranked two to three hundred, I think you should be able to make a comfortable living. Um, you know, to be ranked two hundred in the world and still kind of breaking even and you know, it sucks a little bit, um, yeah, especially because sure. tennis, tennis is so tough. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. And, you know, that's why I think that's why everyone's just striving for top 100 because the difference is so big. So one of my more frequent reminders of you is on my, well, actually, I don't know, on my old phone, I had an app that mm-hmm. you made. You're yeah. the only tennis player I know uh, who made an app. So you, I guess yeah. this was during one of your injury layoffs. Yeah, it was. Right? And I guess I don't know if you're already thinking ahead to, post tennis life with this sort of thing or I don't know how much you know if it's something you can do simultaneously yeah. completely but just talk about I guess your other interest in that because I think that it's yeah it's pretty unique as far as I know I I got into coding a little bit when I was like 16 years old um I would just kind of mess around with uh this this um applic- application called like visual basic and it was just uh it was programming and I, I kind of enjoyed it at a young age at 16 and then I'm not exactly sure what the reason was, but I stopped from maybe 18 to 24. I didn't really find a use for me to do anything. Yeah. Um, and you were pretty busy. Yeah, and I was pretty busy. So, um, but then I got injured, and actually, just before I got I got injured, I was already thinking about getting back into programming. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just try making a game. So I just downloaded a bunch of YouTube tutorials and bought a couple books and kind of learned on my own. Um, and I really I started to really enjoy like making this game that I was working on and I would spend like three, four hours a day, just like whatever free time, you know, instead of watching TV or going out or something, I'd just work on this game, like just kind of crazy, but I really enjoyed it. And, uh, so I, I, when I was injured with my wrist, what's it called? Um, it's called little Avenger, but, uh, my next game, um, I've been working on for over a year now and, uh, hopefully it should be released in the next few months. But, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a step up from Little Avenger. Okay. Um, it's actually it's actually online, um, and it's kind of like turn based, so it's not like real time multiplayer where you know you and I need to be playing at the same yeah. time. But you know, if I want to play in the morning and you play at night, like um, it's kind of a strategy game. And uh, you know, I had to I had to work on all the server coding as well as the app. So I had the app connects to a server, and you know, I had to work out how the data gets sent back and forth, and you know, make sure no one can cheat by sending just sending the data on their own without actually playing the game. So 
you know, there's a lot of a lot of different steps involved in making this app, and um, it was great to learn more about that kind of stuff, and I really enjoy that too. So, you know, I would say, and it's not something that I do like, you know, here and there. It's like I would say the last year or so, I spent on average maybe three hours a night on wow, it. Wow, that's, yeah. that's pretty good. So pretty dedicated, just really passionate about it. And I don't know, it's one of those things like I just start getting into it and like I have a you know list of tasks that I need to complete for it. And then, you know, some of these tax, tasks take uh, a couple of hours. Some of them might take like a couple of days. So um, yeah. I just get started and then I don't know, like it's a lot of problem solving and thinking and I just kind of get wrapped up and the time goes by really quick. So it's something that I really enjoy doing. You think that you, you think that helps your tennis? Any something else sort of going on in your life that's not you know tennis? You have some. It's not your complete be all end mm-hmm. all. Like it doesn't yeah. the only thing that gives you meaning for like yeah. a, a better word. You know that that you know some people can put too much pressure on it's their mm-hmm. one sole tunnel vision thing. Yeah. And the littlest thing goes wrong, they can sort of throw their whole life into a, yeah, a spiral. Right. But you have something uh, else to balance that with. I think yeah, I think it definitely gives me some balance, and you know, it gets me. Um, to take my mind off the game, like my tennis game. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think it has helped me because I would, I'm would i like working on these projects and here they are taking nine months to over a year. And it's kind of like working on these like applications. It's kind of like your, your tennis game. Um, like you got to just put it together piece by piece. And every day you might um, put like 1% together, half a percent. Mm-hmm. But over time, you'll see a difference. Like if I look back to... How much I've coded in the last couple of weeks, there's not a big change, but you know, if I look back to how my game has changed, like my application has changed um, two or three from two or three months ago, I can see wow, like I've added this feature, I've added that feature. So your tennis game is pretty similar. Um, like you can't just work on one thing for a week, you know, if you're going to work on backhand angles or whatever, you can't just work on that for a week and expect to have that. But yeah, you know, if you if you consistently work on it and you know keep the right right frame of mind and you know, maybe three months from now, I'd be like, oh, my backhand angle's really improved. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like maybe just subconsciously put some perspective in, into my head about, you know, training-wise and whatever, like to, to just keep pushing forward and, you know, with the right mindset and just keep, work, keep working on your goals every day. Like things will slowly come together, kind of like an application. Very cool. Thank yeah. you very much, Peter. This is, yeah, this no is awesome. Uh, be sure to... It was a shout or a plug when, when the app drops. Yeah, and for you, sure. you said in a few months, you think? Hopefully. hopefully I mean, no yeah. rush, obviously. But hopefully in a few when months. It's ready. The game itself is done, but uh, I need, need to change the font for some of the text and all that. It's, it's kind of time consuming, but yeah. uh, I'll work on that. Very cool. Thanks yeah. very much. Thank you. That's all from NCR today, but we'll be back much more during the rest of this Australian Open. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.